Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, hey, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Scott Luton here with you on Supply Chain Now. Welcome to today's show. Now, today's show, we're going to be continuing an important series of interviews that focus on healthcare supply chain leadership. Now, you know that there aren't too many topics that impact everyone more than supply chain and healthcare. We're delighted to continue this intriguing series here at Supply Chain Now with another recognized leader in the healthcare industry. So let me introduce our featured guests here today. So after spending 22 years in supply chain leadership roles in the military, our guest has spent almost 20 years in supply chain leadership roles in the healthcare industry. Now in his current role, our guest leads supply chain and logistics strategy for BJC Healthcare, one of the largest nonprofit healthcare organizations in the United States. The organization also was recently recognized with the number eight ranking top 10 in the most recent Gartner Healthcare Supply Chain Top 25. So I want to welcome in Tom Harview, Vice President and Chief Supply Chain Officer with BJC Healthcare. Tom, how you doing? Great, Scott. Glad to be here. Excited to talk today. Well, hey, I, I can already tell you're some of our people. We had a little friendly banter, your, your army, a lot, lot more years than I was uh, in the Air Force. I served a stint in the Air Force. So we had a friendly little uh, inter-service rivalry. And before we dive into all things supply chain here, I want to, uh, you know, our team was doing a little homework, some intelligence gathering. I'll, I'll keep that theme going uh, on you and some things you've been up to. So I hear you've been busy sailing the high seas. I want to talk about this uh, 55-foot houseboat renovation and sailing adventure. Tell us more about that. Yeah, uh, water has always been a passion of mine, and uh, I've loved boats my entire life. In 2010, I had the bright idea to buy a really old 1973 houseboat. I told my wife, I said, oh, I can fix it up in a couple months, and we'll be on the water enjoying it in no time. Uh, it took me four years to renovate the boat. Wow. I did it from South Dakota. The boat was in Minnesota, so it, it was a four-hour drive up. It was a four-hour drive home. I worked on it 45 weekends a year for four years. I finally got the boat ready in 2014. We launched it. We used it as a floating cabin in Minnesota because that's a lot where our family was. It was on the Mississippi River. Later, we moved to St. Louis, and we realized we needed the boat down. So okay. instead of trucking it, we took a nine-day journey, 26 locks, 630 miles by water, to move the boat from St. Louis, I mean, from St. Paul, Minnesota to St. Louis. It was a great experience. Really was a trip of a lifetime. Man, sounds like it. Now, do you have to be like a certified captain to make that kind of trip with that size of a boat? Well, you do if you carry passengers, but if you're the owner, you can uh, you can pretty much do anything in a boat. Okay. So I'm going to ask you one quick follow-up question. Uh, if if my significant other, Amanda, was here, she'd be laughing at this question because she knows how incapable I am at building anything. Uh, what was what was one of the toughest things about the renovation? I mean, 45 weekends, a four-year renovation. What was one of the toughest aspects of that? Sometimes I didn't know what I was doing, and I just had to start cutting holes. And I was like, I really hope that this works out, because if it doesn't work out, I've just wrecked a couple of years worth of projects. The other one, a short story, was I was working on the boat. After about three years, 
And I was leveling everything in the boat. I was using the levels. I was doing plums. I was doing all the right things. And then I realized the boat's on land and it's not shored up level. So mm. the boat's not level. So I've been trying to level everything in the interior to the boat. And I realized, well, I, if I would have leveled the boat, it would probably have been a really good start. So uh, that was a big lesson learned for me. Love it. And I love the first part of your answer there, because I think there's a lot of supply chain relevance there. Sometimes you just got to get going and, and cutting holes and, and uh, you know, perfect the plan later. Um, I want to shift gears. Um, I want to talk about your service in the U.S. Army. You retired in 2004 after serving more than 22 years. Thank you for that. Uh, I can only imagine all the people, all the impact, all that you did uh, for all of us here. So what was one of your proudest moments uh, in your 22 years in the Army? Well, just a ton of proud moments throughout my career. It was just a, it was an opportunity of a lifetime to serve with great leaders, uh, heroes, um, and serving with the people gave me great pride. So, I mean, that's just the foundational of everything I remember and the work that I did in the military. They're the reasons I was able to achieve the rank of Sergeant Major. And I, I, that was a great accomplishment in my life. But in particular, I really enjoyed doing large troop movements around the United States or internationally. Being able to do multimodal movements of large numbers of soldiers to get from one operation to the next. That those challenges really uh, brought a lot of proud pride to myself and to my team and my organization. And I'm really proud we never lost a single soldier. So 100 percent is pretty important when you're dealing with people. Man, absolutely. And, and you know, I'm sure there's plenty of tough days in, in all those troop movements, but I bet there were some wonderful days where you had the esprit de corps and the camaraderie was just uh you know, off the charts. Now, along these same lines, I'm, I'm really glad that your your response there was really focused on people. You know, I, I shared with you pre-show, we're very passionate about giving back to our uh, our veteran community and really, in particular, helping them with the transition challenges that we all know about. If you could, Tom, what are a couple of your thoughts about the tremendous career opportunities that global supply chain offers veterans? Well, a lot of the things we do in the military is supply chain. We don't realize it's logistics, it's supply chain, it's movement, it's taking care of vehicles, it's leading people. Um, the military really does a couple of things well. It invests in leadership. And we always used to say our jobs were to grow leaders and train soldiers. That's what our job was. And really having those leadership, strong leadership skills is something that's very transferable to any industry. So I would encourage people to not... Uh, overlook what you've been invested in by the military and, and take advantage of that because it's it's sorely needed in every industry and, and it shines through when you see it. Mm. Also, healthcare is it's a noble industry. It's a noble industry. It's bigger than ourselves. That, that ties back to that selfless service that was a core value for the military, that, that selfless servers, service is really important to service members as they look for the next job and the next career. And it fits really well with, with that. Um, but really around just taking the critical thinking skills that you have developed, being able to solve problems and bring that to the new industry, you'll shine. Mm, love that, Tom. And, and so hiring managers, if you are late to the party, tapping into our veteran talent pipeline, you're missing out uh, tremendously. So reach out. There's a variety of ways. And then veterans that may be listening to this, massive opportunities in supply chain. And I love what Tom said there. Healthcare is a noble mission. And for veterans, that, that should appeal. I know it appeals to me in many ways. 
So don't sleep on the healthcare industry as well, especially where the inter- that intersects supply chain and healthcare. Okay. So Tom, I know you've got so many stories in the 22 years. We have to have you back, maybe on our veteran voices programming, but I want to switch gears to, to really the big reason you're here. I want to tap into your supply chain expertise. So you joined the award-winning BJC healthcare team in 2018 as chief supply chain officer. So tell us if you would about the organization's supply chain footprint. So facilities, scope, you know, kind of what uh, what's the wherewithal there? Absolutely. So BJC Healthcare has 14 hospitals and we're located in eastern Missouri and southwest Illinois. Um, we're around the St. Louis area primarily. We have team comprises of 440 teammates. We manage 1.8 billion in non-labor expense management. And we also manage about $150 million worth of inventory that uh, we keep in the organization. Primarily, our functions are pretty atypical for healthcare. We manage the sourcing, the utilization management, we, the data and analytics, and the contract lifecycle management. Operations side of our team, we manage inventory, warehousing, distribution, receiving, mail, linen, uh, all the services that we provide logistically to the organization. So it's a, it's a challenge every day because we have hundreds of thousands of transactions every single day. We have hundreds and thousands of deliveries every day across uh, all of our facilities and uh, striving for our 98, 98.5% service level uh, requires a lot of coordination, a lot of work across the organization. 98.5% service level. Um, and, and going back to just the scale, BJC Healthcare, one of the largest nonprofit healthcare organizations in the U.S., but you're also, I, th- I believe, one of the largest employers in Missouri. Is that right? We are the largest, 30,000 employees. So we are the largest employee in Missouri. Man. So let's talk about, you know, with all this recognition you've received uh, and uh, the highs and and success that, that you are driving there, you talked about the Gartner ranking uh, number eight, top 10. Tom, you, you broke the top 10. What's a few critical factors you believe that fuels your team's success? I think it all starts with having a good strategy to align the team and where you're going and what you need to accomplish for the organization. Um, the COVID pandemic really took us on a side journey over the last couple of years, but I'm really proud that we continued to advance our strategic objectives, even though we were in the middle of trying to source and secure PPE, protective, personal protective equipment for our caregivers across the organization. But we really focus our work around four pillars. The four pillars are price performance, and that's how effectively we acquire products and services from the marketplace. Um, We look at cost savings and cost avoidance, uh, particularly with the inflationary market, but we really focus on those two areas. And then we also make sure we have strong commercial and legal playbooks that we're able to operationalize our work um, and be more effective at scale when we're doing that work. The second mm-hmm. pillar is service excellence. And service excellence is really around how effectively we deliver service to the organization. We use standard work, we're high reliability, we really focus on continuous improvement to do that work. The third part of our, our strategy is that we're uh, focused on the cost to serve. So what does it cost to deliver those services excellently, uh, superbly to the organization? And we look at using lean, we have um, Kanban systems, we use uh, workflow, standardized workflow to really drive that. It ties back to the high reliability, but we really focus on delivering excellent service to the organization in a cost-effective manner. 
And that requires us to really focus on variation reduction. If there's unwarranted variation, we really need to target it and focus on that. The last is how we engage our customers and our stakeholders and our team and making sure that our teams are engaged, we have the right talent, and we're engaging our stakeholders, we're communicating effectively. And that kind of ties it all together that people understand what we're doing, where we're going, and how we're going to get there. Um, really, we, we do a lot of collaboration outside of healthcare because we don't have a large company like a Walmart or an Amazon that can really consolidate a lot of the work that we need to do. So we need to do that in a collaborative way. Um, so we've joined a group called HERC and SMI, and those groups really focus on how do we get suppliers and providers together at a table to solve common problems and then scale them across the industry. So it's exciting work, not only internal to our organization, but the work that uh, our health systems and supplier partners are doing collaboratively around the industry to really make the healthcare supply chain better. Quick follow-up question before we start talking about um, this a revolution, uh, a phrase I've seen you use. So you joined in 2018, just you know, not long before the pandemic. The alignment you talk about and then the four pillars you talk about, um, can you talk to us about how important leaning on that alignment, those four pillars and, and the resiliency is what I'm hearing that, you, that you'd already baked into, the team baked into the organization and how you leaned on that to navigate through this incredibly, uniquely challenging time we've, we've all been through. It, it was really important uh, that we had a really good structure. And I was really fortunate to be in my organization prior to the pandemic. Uh, I had about a year to start our work with our team, get to know the team and form relationships before we kind of went into that full-on knife fight uh, and starting in 2020. With that, uh, we leaned on our sourcing team, we became more nimble, we engaged our stakeholders to make decisions that previously would take us weeks to make decisions around. We were able to make decisions in minutes or hours um, around product substitutions, uh, alternative things that we could do, um, ways to work around challenges on product shortages, looking at how we can make sure that we can protect our patients and protect our caregivers was always top of mind. And then our operations team around the service delivery really focused on how do they get the best product to the patient or to the caregiver as fast as possible and to make sure that we never ran out. And that's a, a huge source of pride for our team that we never ran out of the equipment that we needed to protect our staff. In this, it was a lot of challenges to do that, but um, doing that. So those pillars really guided us, not only how we went to market and were nimble on how we sourced and how we collaborated on buying the products, but how we delivered them and how we ensured that we were able to be nimble by standing up new units, taking other units down, repurposing some clinical areas, and then repurposing the equipment and the supplies to deliver care for the patients that presented uh, with COVID. Never ran out. I kind of, when I heard that, so I'm sure y'all celebrate that. It kind of reminds me of you, what you're talking about, your army career. Everyone got to where they were going. No one was left behind. So it seems like you got a knack for that, Tom. Um, but kidding aside, I really want to, uh, you know, my mom spent over 20 years working in healthcare, um, spent, spent a chunk of that as a certified diabetes educator. And I'll tell you, as, as much as our team celebrates what uh, the global supply chain workforce did, through the pandemic to keep us all as consumers and as, as customers and you name it, moving forward, I'll tell you, healthcare, it is amazing. The mountains that our global healthcare um, uh, community did. So if, for all of our BJC healthcare team members listening or any 
uh, healthcare supply chain practitioners or otherwise listening, hey, thank you for all that you did in recent years. I can only imagine the challenges. All right. So Tom, I was doing a little intelligence gathering. I saw this phrase you've used previously, patient to consumer revolution. You've got a, pa- uh, a passion for the patient to consumer revolution. Tell us what you mean by that. Patients are changing. And patients we used to go, you go to your doctor and you went to the clinic and you took care of your care that you needed or you went to the hospital. Um, patients have learned through retail and through all the aspects of their life that they really are a consumer. So they're starting to view healthcare as a consumer, not as a patient. And what that means for us is that the patient will look at what's the best way to get the care that they need. So if your child has pink eye, you don't want to go to a major medical center. You want to be able to do a virtual visit and you want to be able to get uh, your prescription filled and be back at the house in 20 minutes. You want, if you need urgent care, you want to go to the urgent care in your, in your neighborhood. You don't want to drive to 15, 20 miles away to get to a hospital to look at that. You want a convenient uh, care. It's convenient. It's cost effective. If you have cancer or a major life, um, a major life event, you're going to want to go to the best. You're going to want to find the absolute best doctor that, and the best physician that's going to be able to take care of you and solve your critical problem. And then a lot of care is going to be delivered in the home. People are going to be expecting to stay in their home to deliver the care. Now, that patient can present different ways on different days. So, Scott, you're, you and your family can present to the urgent care on one day and to a week later that you could be at the major medical center. So that care should be the same no matter what door you walk in. Every door that you walk in, you should receive the same exceptional care. And that's what our organization is committed to. Now, to do that, we have to have logistical infrastructure that can be very nimble, very supportive, and make sure that we deliver care, we support that care, and we give the caregivers the tools and the equipment that they need to deliver on that mission of providing the best care no matter where you present to our organization. Um, that comes a lot of complexities because we're, we, we were designed to, to resupply hospitals. That's what we have been doing for 20 years. So now we're starting to reinvent how do we deliver uh, logistics support to the home. So if you're on a life-saving machine or you need replacement of wound dressings, how do you get those in a timely manner that's efficient, that's reliable, that gets you what you need? And then making sure that if it requires support from a caregiver to be in the house, then our home health care team will make sure that happens. So it's a it's a really exciting change, but it's really moving from a non-traditional model to a new model based on the customer's expectation of how everything that they do in their life and how they present and how they buy. Um, it's it's coming to healthcare. It's coming fast. Well. I really admire your passion for meeting that customer where they are now as it evolves and and, and the revolution takes place because you're absolutely right. I hate saying the Amazon effect because it's so cliche, but it really is the best description of kind of what we expect here in 2023 and for years now, really, as consumers. And I'm sure you are, as you point out, you're seeing that in healthcare. Um, In fact, I was just talking yesterday to a a dear friend of mine, and he was talking about um, telemedicine. And how he was fighting the pollen as well, like I've been here lately. And uh, he was talking with a doctor on, on on a Sunday from home and getting the medicated prescriptions and what he needs on a Sunday. Now, he may have said that he thinks the doctor might have been on the golf course as he was treating uh, Craig. I'm kidding. But telemedicine, 
I bet it's a big part of that revolution. Any comment there before I move on to continuous yeah, improvement? It's a big part, um, especially for families and patients that live a long way from a medical center. And if you could have your follow-up care, your primary care, or a simple visit done, you don't have to drive hour, two hours, three hours to get that care. That's a, that's a big that's a big impact on the families and the patients that we serve. So it's here to stay. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Um, all right, so let's talk about continuous improvement. One of my favorite topics here. Uh, one of our core values. There's no finish line here at Supply Chain now when it comes to continuous improvement. I feel that in my bones. It's in our DNA. You alluded to many uh, lean and and um, many other aspects of continuous improvement as you're walking us through those four pillars. So what, Tom, what is one of your supply chain team's top continuous improvement objectives this year? Sure. Um, one of our primary objectives is to simplify the supply chain, because by simplifying the supply chain, we start to make care delivery easier, we reduce waste, and we become more reliable. This is not easy. It's a very complicated to make something easy. And by to make it simple, we're really looking, we have a primary channel. We just recently in the last year opened a 400,000 square foot distribution facility. Now our goal is to move 95% of our purchases through that building. What that does for us is caregivers know it's easy to order out of the building. We have 60 days of inventory there so they don't have to worry about running out. It comes the next day in a low unit measure without cardboard. Um, we're able to work with our suppliers to actually reduce orders that we might have placed 15, 20, 100 orders a day out of each of our hospitals back to our suppliers. Now we can place an order once a week so we can consolidate down to truckload versus parcel shipments. It reduces the cardboard and the carbon emissions coming into the organization. So it builds on our ESG goals as an organization. But the whole strategy just wraps around simplifying the supply chain and all the waste falls out. Man, I love that. And going back to, to the front end of your response there, it's really tough and complex to make things simple, huh? It is. Uh, but that's where, to your point, at the, man, the, the more things that we can make simple, the more simplicity we can bake into even the, the most complex operations, organizations, especially in the healthcare industry, where the stakes are literally life and death. I mean, we can serve more folks and we can serve them more hitting that 98.5% service level and far beyond, right? Yeah. The caregivers certainly don't care how many times we touch a box. I love that phrase. I think we just have our, our episode title there, uh, focusing on what matters. The caregivers don't care about those box touches and then rework and other things. Uh, they care about helping serve the patients, right? And making and driving those outcomes there. So you strike me, Tom, as a passionate leader when it comes to driving continuous improvement. And I bet you're a fellow believer that there's no finish line in that regard. There is no finish line. So we've taken a deep dive into your organization. We've talked a lot about supply chain and healthcare, uh, where it intersects. Um, but for folks, you know, for some of our listeners, they're, they're in healthcare for sure. And, and, and all of this is, um, you know, they're very, very familiar with it. And then other folks that may be listening or watching us here have never worked in the healthcare industry, right? What's one thing you think they should know when it comes to running supply chains in healthcare? Well, what's the one thing is a lot of people will look at healthcare supply chain and say, oh, it must be simple because it's not multinational. You, you don't have regional distribution facilities that are moving across 
product across the country. You're right. We aren't moving a lot of pallets in and out of warehouses, uh, from regional warehouses to, uh, to local warehouses to our final customer. Um, but there is a tremendous amount of complexity in healthcare. So when we, on any given day, we pick uh, 12 to 15,000 orders out of our warehouse that are going to 22,000 unique stockage locations around the organization. So a tote gets picked, has to move multiple miles, has to go to a certain floor, a certain room, and a certain shelf. Um, so it is very detailed in how that product moves within the organization. So there's a lot of complexity. One of the complexities is uh, all of our caregivers and our physicians are typically trained by multiple facilities around the country, and they learn to do their work differently. So by them learning to do their work differently, they use different products, they have different techniques, they have different styles in the way they do their work. So we have a lot of product variation. And that product variation causes a lot of complexity, especially when we're having back orders, shortages, that you can't have the redundancy because you, you have multiple products doing the same thing. That requires us to really engage stakeholders and communicate effectively because we can't simply change the tire, change the tires on a car. We actually have to engage around, does this syringe work? Does this pressure cuff uh, functional for what you need clinically? Does it meet the satisfaction of the physician, but also the safety needs for the patient? Mm. So the level of coordination and communication is really complex because there's an old saying, you've talked to one doctor or one nurse, you've talked to one doctor or one nurse. You don't get alignment by talking to one person. So it requires a lot of engagement, a lot of focus. Um, and that's really what our work is about. How do we reduce that variation to build a more reliable organization, to deliver better service at a lower cost, um, but also to make sure when the caregivers need what they need, it's there so they can spend more time at the bedside. Love that. Uh, all right. So Tom, one more quick follow-up before we, we get into some of your uh, leadership and career advice of our listeners. You've mentioned reduce, reducing variation several times through our conversation. You've mentioned reducing waste several times through our conversation. And then at the same time, you've also talked about alignment and engagement of the team. There's a um, eight wastes, right? You're familiar with the eight wastes. Uh, that's a big driving force, it seems like, of, of your team's work. I know your team is about uh, over 400 team members as an enterprise at BJC Healthcare, you got over 30,000 team members, if I'm not mistaken. Talk to us about the power of folks understanding what waste is across an enterprise like that. So then you get that force multiplier effect. That's a really powerful thing to take advantage of, right? Right. Um, uh, silver lining that came out of COVID is really, we, had, we ran out of things and we had to be nimble and we had to change products. That opened uh, or the organizational eyes that we can't have this much variation and this much waste. And the, the ripple effect of that is we're going to have rolling back orders, stockouts, shortages. And that's uh, tremendously frustrating for the, the care teams. So that's been a good opportunity for us to talk about what waste and variation causes and the downstream impact on that. Um, also, when you look at the work itself, um, we want to, we, with the nurse shortage, we want to make sure that the nurses and the doctors are functioning on the high end of the licensure and they're not out looking for supplies. Hmm. But for us to be, say, hey, we can do this well, but we need your help to do it well. We can't have 42 products that do the same thing. We need to have five or six products that do the same thing. And that allows us to talk to our suppliers, have better planning, better coordination, and be more reliable and make sure that you have what you need. 
so you can get through your day without having those kinds of frustrations. So it's, it, it is a really critical piece for us to engage the organization, for them to see the waste. Because before it was really, I just need the products that I'm comfortable using. Um, and that has a, a lot of challenges when we're running through the environment of shortages and back orders that we've all experienced. Tom, I'm so glad uh, that you walked us through that because to our listeners out there, and Mark Preston, if you're listening, uh, former colleague of mine, uh, mentor of mine, really, his mantra was the power of helping others learn to see, learn to see waste, learn to see variation. And then as you put it, Tom, learn and understand the impact of what that can cause in, in, any, in any industry, really. So I appreciate you diving into that. Let's, uh, as we, as we kind of come around the, uh, the final turn, I really enjoyed your time with us here today. Uh, many of our listeners may be students or, or maybe they're early in their supply chain careers. I bet many of them want to be chief supply chain officers, much like you. So Tom, what's, uh, what's one piece of advice you'd offer that contingent of our audience? Well, I think I have a couple pieces of advice. Uh, one, find what you're passionate for, find your passion and dive into it. Um, there's lots of jobs out there. Your first job will be your dream job. Use that to find what you're passionate about and go there. and You will be wildly successful in your career. The second is always focus on having a continuous improvement mindset. Continuous improvement. Learn those skills early. That will serve you and your organization well and make you a better leader. And the last is take the hard assignments. There's a lot of hard assignments out there, and we need to take those hard assignments because that's where we grow. We grow on the edges. We don't grow in the middle of our comfort zone. And challenge yourself to really take the hard assignments. Get into a plant. Get into a hospital. Get into one of those places where you're going to learn and you're going to grow. Um, and you will lean on that experience every day for the rest of your life. Man, love it. I love how you started with the passion. That's so important for folks to really, really understand what drives them, what, what gets them out of bed every day. All right, Tom, really, as I knew I would, really enjoyed your time here. I really like, and one of my favorite things when I, when I uh, talk and interview senior leaders like yourself is I love when, when they're down to earth, they can take big, complex concepts and bring it down where anyone can understand it. That is so important, especially as we're all trying to improve and, and serve patients or customers, you name it. And, and, and do it as fast as we can, but as as also as right as we can. And that simplicity you spoke to and being approachable and engaging where everyone is welcome, uh, you know, to learn and kind of help help uh, figure it all out and then moving forward together. Some of that is what I'm picking up from you in our in our roughly our hour we spent here to, together. Anything you want to add to that? Anything you want to comment on there before I make sure folks know how to connect with you, Tom? Well, the team is critical. I mean, uh, we have a leader in our organization that says it so well. You need to decide, you need to delegate, and then you need to disappear as a leader. And uh, really, how do you get the team engaged? Because the team is phenomenal. The team carries the day every single day, but it's really around a team that has a clear strategy, that is engaged and empowered, um, and knows that they're doing good work. Decide delegate and disappear folks. Uh, that's a great t-shirt ism. Thank you for sharing that Tom. Um, all right. Really enjoyed our time together. I can't wait to uh, maybe check back in with you or we got to talk more about your, um, your veteran experience as well. Uh, I bet Mary Kate over at veteran voices would love to, to dive into some of that. In the meantime, uh, how can folks connect with you and the BJC healthcare organization to learn more about what you've shared here today? 
Sure. I'm excited to connect with anybody if they're, they're interested more. Uh, the best way to connect with me is through LinkedIn. I'm, I'm active on LinkedIn. And also the best way to connect with our organization is through BJC.org. It is just that easy. And of course, we'll have that in episode notes uh, to our listeners. You can, you're one click away from doing just that. Uh, Tom Harvey, Vice President, Chief Supply Chain Officer with the award-winning BJC Healthcare uh, team. Thank you so much, Tom. Really appreciate what you do. And of course, what your very large enterprise do, uh, helping take care of folks and, and moving us all together uh, forward. Thank you, Scott. I've really enjoyed our time today. And thank you for all you do for our industry. Okay. All right. And we look forward to seeing some of those pictures of uh, Captain Tom Harview uh, rolling down to Mississippi. We'll, we'll revisit that soon. Aye, um, aye. <laughs> folks, to our listeners and viewers, I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I have. Hey, be sure to find Supply Chain Now wherever you get your podcast from. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss conversations like this. Find us on YouTube where it's really easy to watch and listen and engage, comment, you name it. But most importantly, on behalf of our entire team here at Supply Chain Now, Scott Luton, wishing all of our listeners nothing but the best and challenging you like we challenge our team every day. Do good, give forward, be the change that's needed. And we'll see you next time right back here at Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at supplychainnow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts. And follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now.